Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. Before we start, please check out our new podcast, Good Sleep. Have you ever noticed how a calm mind can really set the stage for a good night's sleep? That's the idea behind our new podcast, Good Sleep. Greg, our host from Optimal Relationships Daily, is here to help ease you into a peaceful night's rest with some positive affirmations. And these affirmations aren't just comforting, they can help ease anxiety and nurture positive thoughts, setting you up for true good sleep. So press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 510, Maybe You Don't Have a Problem, by David Kane of raptitude.com and I'm Justin Mollick. This is the podcast where I act as your very own personal narrator for free, mostly from blogs, sometimes from books, anything that I think can help you optimize your life. And we have five podcasts now in our Optimal family reading to you from a bunch of different topics. Check them all out and subscribe to more. Just search for Optimal Living Daily and they should all pop up. But for now, let's get to today's post and start optimizing your life. Maybe You Don't Have a Problem by David Kane of raptitude.com. For a grown man who writes for a living, I read very slowly and I'm self-conscious about it. Finishing a novel in less than two weeks feels like an accomplishment. If I love it from the start, I'll fly through it in a week or less, but usually that means I'm spending several hours a day on it. Yet there are people who read two or three or seven or eight books a week. I've always wanted to be one of these people and two months ago, I decided to become one. My philosophy was simple. Whatever they do, I will do that. It seems obvious that people who read five or 10 times as many books as I do must be going about it completely differently. They're not just reading, as I know it, more quickly. They must be using their eyes and minds in ways I never learned to. So I dove into the dubious world of speed reading. I bought the best reviewed instructional book on the topic and promised myself I'd work through the program. The technique was indeed very different from how I normally read. Zip your finger across the lines as a pacing device. Don't say the words in your head. Don't stop to reread anything you didn't quite get. Just allow the important words to come through and the natural redundancy of the material to fill in gaps in your comprehension. And these instructions did do something. I found I was able to plow through nonfiction at more than double the speed right away and actually comprehend most, I think, of the ideas presented. With words coming into my head that quickly, there was no time for daydreaming or distraction. But it wasn't pleasant. It felt like I was on a game show on the Food Network, scrambling to cook something presentable while a clock ticked down. My reading was quick and not so quick as to be useless, 
but it was sloppy and completely devoid of joy. I don't believe I was absorbing the material in the way the author intended. There's no way I'd read a novel that way. When I investigated the topic of speed reading itself, I learned that it isn't really a faster method of reading. It's a kind of pragmatic skimming, very useful for consuming large volumes of material for school or work, or otherwise extracting vital information from anything you don't actually want to read. But by most accounts, it's not a way to finally enjoy Proust. Deflated, I googled, how the hell do you people read so many books? And found a thread on Quora in which dozens of high-volume readers explained how they do it. I thought I would find a bunch of techniques, how to move your eyes differently, how to bring a different psychology to reading, but almost all of their answers were some form of, well, I just read a lot, so I've gotten a lot quicker at it over the years. It felt like a dead end, but a good dead end. It occurred to me that I didn't actually have a problem. Reading their straightforward answers left me with the distinct sensation of reaching the end of a wrong path, free to head back to the main road and use it instead. Now that the secret weapon of speed reading has turned out to be a dud, I'm reading without troubling myself over it. I'm simply spending more time in my reading chair and I'm finishing a lot more books. Whatever barrier was there doesn't seem to be there anymore. In addition to the increased volume, my pace has quickened in no time at all and I think it's entirely because I suddenly no longer see myself as reading challenged. I don't expect it to be a battle and so it's not. I just read the words without the belief that I need to be reading them faster. Read more and get better at it over time. It's the simplest answer to the problem. So why did I feel like I had already been down that street and found it didn't go anywhere? We're quick to disregard approaches that don't get us anywhere the first time around. You only need to dismiss it once, no matter how much sense it makes or how well it works for others, and then you don't look that way anymore. Maybe it happened for me while forcing myself to read Great Expectations in high school. After a trauma like that, a big thick book becomes a symbol of grinding, falling behind, being outcultured by smarter, more mature people. Whenever I did open a book with 600 pages of small inky print, I always found the battle I expected. We probably do this a lot, live with lifelong impediments only because we assume we've exhausted the simplest approach. I can't count how many people I've met who think cooking is beyond them. They insist it's talent dependent and they just don't have it. So they never cook, and because they never cook, they can't cook. To those of us who cook freely, if sometimes badly, this inability to prepare one's own food comes off as absurd and completely voluntary. We can be very quick to self-identify as problem cases, and that alone can make you a problem case. It's easier to accept the notion that there's some secret information you don't have, rather than to confront the possibility that you never followed through with the simplest, most obvious approach. And once you've written it off, that door, the best door, will always look like a wall until you realize you need to go through it anyway. You just listened to the post titled Maybe You Don't Have a Problem by David Kane of raptitude.com. Thank you, David, for letting me read from your site. And thank you, the listener, for listening, of course. If you wanna get more free content, blogs being read to you from even more topics, Just do a search for Optimal Living Daily wherever you're hearing this show and subscribe to the others. That helps keep our shows going. And thank you for listening through to the end. I really hope this free service is valuable for you. It's a lot of work to keep running and to keep expanding the offerings. A lot more work than I thought. But you listening every day keeps me going along with the really nice messages and financial contributions. It really means a lot. Tomorrow I'll have a post from Steve Pavlina who's featured in all of our podcasts. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you there in the Friday show tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.
Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.